Communication skills do not automatically improve with increasing physician experience, but listening to a seasoned colleague can help us become better at breaking difficult and complicated news to patients and their families. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is oncologist Dr. Alan Astro. Dr. Astro is the director of the Division of Hematology and Medical Oncology at Maimonides Cancer Center in New York City. He has a special interest in the treatment of breast cancer, gynecological cancers, and Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphomas. He has conducted research on how to help physicians understand a patient's wishes, values, and needs, as well as how to improve communications between doctors and their patients. Welcome to ReachMD. We're really glad to be here. Alan, you've spent years learning how to be a better communicator in your work as an oncologist. What has helped you? Two things. First, I took a program, a special program, that the American Society of Clinical Oncology put on. It was a three-day communications workshop in which I really got a chance to work with some of the best people in the field, where we did role-playing, and I was really critiqued in how I spoke to patients, and I found it extremely helpful. That was organized by uh, Dr. Lydia Shapira from the Mass General and a Dr. Robert Buckman from the University of Toronto. So I found that extremely useful. What I also find helpful is general reading about people and about the world. I myself happen to be very interested in my own religion, and just trying to think about people as people, I often find that very useful. Let's talk about some of your cases. Yes. Well, let me give you a few examples. I think that there are two key aspects to being able to communicate with people when they're under very stressful circumstances. First, you obviously need to be able to deliver complicated technical information in a clear and concise manner. But before you do that, I think you need to emotionally engage with that person as a human being. So what does that mean specifically? So just now, I had a patient with ovarian cancer where the cancer has progressed through the chemotherapy I just gave her. Now, she is in some discomfort and is clearly worried about her future. So there are two things I need to do. I need to have a plan of action, but at the same time, I need to be able to acknowledge the distress, both physical and emotional, that she may be feeling. So I said to her, when I had to tell her that clearly the last chemotherapy did not work, I said, well, clearly, this is not what you wanted to hear. And... When I said that to her, she was able to open up to me and say, yes, she was disappointed that the treatment hadn't worked, but she was hopeful the next treatment would. And so just that brief interaction, that I was able to let her know that it was okay for her to tell me how she was feeling, I think that does a tremendous amount for the patient and for the relationship between the doctor and the patient. Now, one of the challenges, I would guess, working at a place like Maimonides is that you have multiple cultures and languages with your patients. How do you address that? Certainly, it's a challenge. You need to have translators who can you know, work with the patients. And we have people who speak many, many different languages in my own cancer center. I try to make sure that even within my own division, I've got all the languages covered. So, you know, we have patients who come in speaking multiple different languages, the dialects of Chinese. We have people, who, patients who speak Russian, Polish, Spanish, French, Creole, Yiddish. You name it, we have it here. 
but I also have staff who speak those languages. But what I find is most helpful, in addition to having someone who speaks the language, is that you acknowledge that person as a human being. I think all patients from all cultures appreciate a warm and caring manner and a smile. People like that. They respond to it. So I think there's both aspects. Being able to have the appropriate translators there to help you, but also to acknowledge that we're all human beings, we're all in this together, and that you can relate to that person and what they're going through. Now, give us another case. Okay, so here uh, a few months ago, I was on call on a weekend, very complicated case. A man in his early 50s had advanced colon cancer to liver, was jaundiced, and was becoming confused and cephalopathic, and also had developed renal failure. He had hepatorenal syndrome. And a consultant had come by from the renal service and was thinking about, you know, doing dialysis. Well, because he's a renal doctor and, you know, the kidneys weren't working. Well, it was clear to me as an oncologist that the kidneys weren't the problem. The problem was he had had advanced incurable cancer, unfortunately, and that dialysis was not going to help that problem. And I didn't think that it would help the man. I thought it would only increase his suffering to put him through dialysis. Now, I did not know this patient before. I was just on call. It was a Saturday morning. I was in there. I did not know his wife. And she was not present. But I needed to do something to keep this man from going from a treatment, going for a treatment that would not help him. So I got his wife on the phone. Now, this was an extremely painful and difficult topic to discuss, mm-hmm. even with someone who you already know and have a relationship with and had that person right in front of you. But I had to reach this individual who I had never met before, and I had to speak to her on the phone about this critical point in her husband's care. So the first thing I said to her is, I can't remember what her name was, but Mrs. Jones, I know that this is a very, very awkward subject to be discussing. This is very difficult to be talking about this when you have not even met me. You don't know who I am. Um, This is not a subject I would want to discuss with another person on the phone, but we have no choice. And I think just being able to say that to the person as an introduction, acknowledging the painfulness of that situation that we faced, it enabled her to be able to talk with me. And in fact, we were able to reach an understanding that in fact, dialysis was not going to help her husband. She did come into the hospital eventually, and she did meet with the staff in person. But the conversation on the phone began with the open acknowledgement of how painful a situation this was for her and how awkward it was to have to discuss it on the phone with someone who she had never met. Now, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is oncologist Dr. Alan Astro. We are discussing his strategies to help us better communicate potentially bad news. So in that case, Alan, how do you think it turned out? I think, you know, it didn't turn out well in the sense that the patient died, but there wasn't anything we could do about that. He had advanced incurable gastrointestinal cancer, but he didn't go through dialysis. He didn't end up dying in an ICU. His wife was by him at the bedside when Mm -hmm. he died. And in a bad situation, it was the best that could be done. How about another example? Well, I could give you an example from this morning. We have something at our hospital in my division called biopsychosocial rounds, where the fellows will present difficult cases where there's frequently some kind of an emotional component that needs to be addressed. Now, we have a patient in our hospital 
who has breast cancer that's fairly advanced, has not received treatment for it, and has refused treatment. She has not accepted any chemotherapy, even though chemotherapy is really the only treatment that could help her. And she's quite ill, and the doctors don't understand why she's not willing to accept treatment that could potentially help her. So we discussed this at our rounds this morning, and we identified that the overwhelming problem for this woman is fear. She is extremely frightened. She's frightened about the potential side effects of chemotherapy, but I suspect she may have deeper fears as well. Very possible she's frightened that she may die. And the issue that the doctor faces in that setting is how do you address that fear? What do you do about it? Especially when that fear is getting in the way of the patient taking treatment that might be helpful to her. Mm -hmm. So there's no easy answer to this problem. And I don't know if there will be a good resolution to this very difficult situation with this patient. But I think the only hope is if you can address that person, not just as a patient, but as a human being who is in crisis and who is frightened, and just speak openly with that patient about the fact that she appears to be very, very frightened and find out what she's frightened about. Now, do you see in that kind of a patient who's so unrealistically kind of stuck in a non-responsive situation, do you see the docs tending to get angry with her? Yes, I think doctors have a variety of different strategies. You know, we tend to try to retreat into our kind of official technical role. You know, we'll button up our white coats and we'll stand you know, by the door, we'll try not to get too involved. I think because it is such an uncomfortable position to be in when you have a patient there who is refusing treatment, which you know can help her, has the potential to help her. You know, it makes us feel very uncomfortable, and I think we tend to, we can get angry. There are different strategies we take, all of which lead us to withdraw from a person at the moment when the person really needs us the most. Mm -hmm. So I think the key there for the doctor is to be aware of how he or she is feeling at that moment. When you're feeling angry at a patient, when you're feeling that you want to leave the room, that's the clue that you have to make an extra effort to stay with that patient. Mm. I think that being aware of how you yourself are feeling at a given moment is an important clue to how you need to act to get the patient to where the patient needs to go. So I have a question. Being an oncologist, I would think one of your biggest challenges is to avoid burnout. And it seems like such an empathic approach that you take might increase your odds of burnout. It might. You know, it certainly takes a lot out of a person. You know, if you really give of yourself to another, it can be pretty exhausting. And one of the greatest gifts a doctor can give to a patient is giving your time to that person, really showing an interest in that person, that is a true gift, and it does take a lot out of you. But I think it's also something that's really special about being a doctor, Mm -hmm. that we're in a position where we really can have a real genuine interaction with another human being. We can really help them. And I think it's really the gift of being a doctor. The gift that you have to offer others is also the gift that the patients have to offer us. Does it lead to burnout? Potentially. But I mean, that's kind of what's interesting about being alive, isn't it? I mean, what, what makes it worthwhile being alive? <laughs> being alive leads to burnout, too, I think. It does. Uh, <laughs> but, 
you know, people are kind of interesting. These interactions we have, these really special moments we have with other people, those are the things that really make life worth living. You know, it's not the material goods. You know, material goods can come and go. But genuine contact with another person, where you're each transformed by the experience, that's really special. Well, well said, and thank you so much for helping us understand that today. My pleasure. We've been speaking with Dr. Alan Astro of Maimonides Medical Center in New York City about how to better communicate diagnosis and prognosis information that can be challenging and upsetting with our patients. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can always call us toll-free as well with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. That's 888-639-6157. Thank you for listening.